Good morning. Man, whoa, hello, here I am. That worship team was awesome. I appreciate them for sure. Uh, well, preparing for this series, Songs of uh, the Season, I actually took a day in October just to listen to Christmas music. And, uh, you know, I'm one, I used to be a stickler for Christmas music that it had to be after Thanksgiving. Uh, like, you do not play a Christmas song before Thanksgiving. That's just how I rolled until one year it, Thanksgiving fell on the last possible day that it could fall in November. And I was like, you know what? The calendar is not stealing six days of Christmas music from me this year. And so I started listening early. And so since then, I've been listening to Christmas music earlier uh, than Thanksgiving. But even for me, October was early, right? But I'm listening to Christmas music and trying to listen to new songs and, and classics. And uh, my playlist is pretty eclectic. I'd say I love the crooners, Dean Martin, Burl Ives, uh, Bing, Sammy, Harry Connick, Buble, right? Yeah, you got to have those, the old and new crooners. Uh, but my playlist also includes um, things like Carol of the Bells by August Burns Red, uh, Miraculum by Lincoln Brewster, uh, Little Drummer Boy. It used to always be Jars of Clay, but now for King and Country, if you haven't heard that one, you got to go listen to uh, for King and Country's um, Little Drummer Boy, Jingle Bell Rock by Thousand Foot Crutch, a Hanukkah song by Adam Sandler. That's not a Christmas song, <laughs> but it's in there. It's in the playlist. Uh, You're a Mean One by Small Town Titans, Christmas Time by Jamie Cullen. That's what my Christmas list uh, sounds like, and you can look them up. They're on Spotify. One's called Chillmas. It's more of a chill, laid back. The other one is The Real Christmas. And so look them up if you want to uh, have a glimpse into Aaron's playlist. But, um, you know, in trying to narrow this list down to just four or five songs when I have hundreds that I love to listen to that help get me in the mindset thinking about Jesus. I love walking through, uh, if I'm at Target or the mall, hearing Jesus being proclaimed, watching on CBS uh, or, or the Hallmark Channel and hearing Jesus' name being proclaimed uh, just helps put my spirit uh, into this thought of Christmas. And so that's kind of why we're here in Songs of the Season. And in, in whittling it down, I thought, why don't we do the oldest Christmas song that there is, but maybe find a, a newer version of it. And so in doing so, that's where we ended up with today's Christmas song. You know, it also made me think about a book that I had read a long time ago. You know, Christmas music can take you back. And as you're listening to a song, it takes you back in time. And I thought of this book that I'd read. I mentioned it to the elders a number of weeks ago. It's called Flatland, A Romance of Many Dimensions. I don't know if anybody else, has anybody read this book? It was required reading. Somebody back there. Uh, it was required reading in one of my uh, uh, science classes, actually, at Colorado Christian University. And it was a satirical novella written by English uh, schoolmaster Edwin Abbott, first published in 1884. And it was written under a pseudonym, and the pseudonym given was A Square. So it was written by A Square. And it was a fictional two-dimensional world of Flatland, and the book was written as satire to address the hierarchy of the Victorian age and culture. You see, uh, there's two dimensions in Flatland. 
Okay, flatland, two-dimensional place. And there was polygons that lived in flatland, and uh, there was a caste system that kind of went along with this. The lower class you were, then the fewer sides you had. And so the lowest class was like triangles, and then squares, and then hexagons, and octagons. And so the more sides that you had, the higher class of an individual you were. Uh, except uh, for women, of course. Now, women were straight lines. Okay, again, 1884, addressing the hierarchy of the Victorian age. And so the highest class actually approached what looked to be a circle. It still had many sides. It was still a polygon, not completely round, but there were so many sides to it that it was nearing what would be a pure circle. See, now, uh, a triangle, for example, and it's going to pop up on your screen, which we would recognize uh, as, as a, this, you know, up on the screen, and we would see it uh, from a third dimension. And so this is how we would view a triangle. But in Flatland, that's not how they saw one another. You see, as you got closer to the plane of Flatland, you can go to the next picture, it would become distorted, and you would see less and less until you arrived in Flatland. And this isn't going to be perfect because some of you are up in the balcony, but go ahead to the next one. A triangle would look like this, the bottom one, a straight line. So I don't know if I'm in line with you. At some point in time, you're going to be in the plane of flat online. There you go. And so uh, everybody would look like a line, whether you were a triangle, if you were a square, if you were a hexagon, uh, no matter what uh, kind of a figure you were, you would still look like a flat line. And uh, except for women. Now, now, women, if you approach them from the side, would look like a flat line. But if you were walking towards a woman, or more to the point, a woman was walking towards you, they would look like the bottom one right there. You can't hardly see it. And that's the point. Come on. Come on now. So now women, when they walked around, they had to make this noise called the peace cry. Wherever they went, because if you were approaching them from the side or they were approaching you from the side, you'd be okay. But if they were coming right at you, they had to make this peace cry so that they didn't impale you and kill you. And to walk around and not make the peace cry which, in my estimation, probably wasn't that hard to get them to do all this, you know, talking. Um, oh, gosh. Um, I'm going to get impaled, aren't I? Um, it, it was punishable by death because, literally, they could kill somebody if they didn't do this. Now, in order to figure out what kind of a being, because a square, a, a hexagon, uh, whatever, would look like a flat line, they would approach one another and ask to touch each other, and they would touch just one angle because they had, were so adept to this uh, world that they could feel one angle and tell what kind of a uh, polygon you were. So if, if they touched it and it was a 90-degree angle, then I know that you are a square. If it's a 22.5 degree angle, then you're an octagon. And this was their world, so they could tell that. And then by telling how many sides they were, they could tell how, where they lay in the hierarchy. Okay? Whew. So, 
what happens, the author who's narrating this, Square, uh, is one day walking around and doing his thing, and he hears this voice. But this voice is not coming from somewhere, it's coming from everywhere. And when a being would talk to you, you would hear the direction they were coming from. But Square was confused because this voice was coming from all sides. And he met that day a gentleman uh, from Spaceland named Sphere. So Sphere was a three-dimensional being. And Sphere was trying to explain himself to Square, and Square was having the hardest time wrapping his head around what this meant, what this must look like. And Sphere was trying to explain himself, a three-dimensional being, from to a two-dimensional creature, and he said, here, let me show you. And he entered the plane of Flatland, except when he did so, all Square could see was a circle the most perfect circle as he came up and touched it that he'd ever experienced. And so clearly Sphere was the highest of class, unlike any creature he had understood before. And Sphere said, no, 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 that's only two dimensions of me. There's more. And so what Sphere did is he started lowering himself into the plane. And as he did so, the circle got larger and smaller. Now to to square it looked like he was just walking further away from him and then closer to him. And I was trying to wrap my head around how to think about this. And uh, the best thing I could come up with uh, was water. So if you have a three-dimensional being, I'm going to spill water on my notes. That'll get interesting. So if we were to sit here long enough and this water was to settle out the surface of that water would be two-dimensional. And so Sphere is here, and he is talking to Square below him on this plane, and he's saying, no, 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 I'm more than just the circle that you see, because as he entered uh, his, his plane of existence, he saw a small circle. And so Sphere said, here, let me show you more of myself. And he lowered himself down into the water, and the circle got bigger and bigger from a two-dimensional perspective, even until he went deeper and it started to get smaller again, and then he backed his way out again. And so here is Sphere talking to Square, trying to help him wrap his head around his three-dimensional existence, even though Square could really not wrap his head around it. Although slowly Square began to understand First the possibility, and then possibly the reality of Sphere's existence. First he had to wrap his head around it conceptually. Okay, I think I get it, but I don't have a full, uh, word would be gnosko, an intimate understanding of it. I kind of get it, but I don't fully understand it uh, until this possibility then might turn into a reality. And I wonder if it wasn't very similar for, for Mary and for Joseph. At one point in time, the angels coming to her first and then to Joseph and saying, you're going to have a son. She said, what? Are you, what? I, don't, I don't understand. No, this thing is going to happen to you. And you're going to call his name Emmanuel because God is going to be with you. And then to Joseph again angel coming to Joseph saying, this thing is going to happen to uh, Mary and you should take her as your wife. And, and so this possibility, the, the possibility that this may come true 
And now they are laying uh, with Jesus, laying in a manger, starting to wrap their heads around the reality of it being so. The song lyrics go, our king in a manger. The cries of a babe echo the cries of hope for a savior. Come see the lamb of God. Glory to God in the highest. Blessing and honor be unto the king. Your name exalted forever, Emmanuel. And we read actually in numerous places throughout scripture of the people crying out or calling out to God. We see it way back in the book of Exodus when they are enslaved and they had been brought in under the protection of Pharaoh, Joseph, and his family, spending many years there and, and Pharaoh's coming and going and dying away, and now they found themselves slaves in Exodus chapter 2. It says, during those many days, the king of Egypt died, and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God, and God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham and with Isaac and with Jacob, and God saw the people of Israel, and God knew. God knew. God heard their cries. He thought of his covenant. He didn't remember it like he had forgotten it. He just thought of it. Oh, yes. I promised these things to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and then he was going to act. The cries of a babe echo the cries of hope for a savior. Way back in the Exodus, we see that. Again, we see in the dedication of the temple, when God's presence would come and reside in that place, and he says in 2 Chronicles, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and heal their land, and now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayer that is made in this place. The cries of a baby echo the cries for a savior. See, this was taking place for hundreds of years. God seemingly silent was still at work behind the scenes and the Israelites are now under Roman occupation. You know, they, they were home, but they were strangers in their own home. You know, maybe they were at home, but here you have uh, uh, Roman centurions putting their feet up on their living room table, if not uh, literally, figuratively. You know, maybe they were able to have some freedoms to worship their God. Maybe they had some freedoms to travel to Jerusalem and to return back, but it wasn't their land. It was Rome's land, let there be no question. And they were outsiders in this place, echoing the cries that had taken place for thousands of years. Psalm 34, the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears toward their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all of their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. The cries of a baby echo the cries of hope for a savior. Do you think the Israelites weren't crying out? And asking God, God, come and deliver us, even from our, in our own land, from this Roman occupation. Until that first Christmas song, Luke chapter 2. And suddenly there was an angel with the angel, a multitude 
of the heavenly host praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. This is the moment that a third-dimensional creature entered a two-dimensional world and these angels pop on the scene and here they are. Now, technically it says saying, but if you read the verses, the heavenly hosts were praising God and saying there had to have been music and so that's why I view this as the first Christmas song. To me, the sky was filled with unimaginable glory as these voices that were coming from nowhere and yet everywhere at the same time, and these shepherds got a glimpse into a dimension that they could not wrap their heads around. And they were terrified. They were terribly frightened. And that was when there was one angel. Did you catch that? I mean, as you read this, there was one angel, and they were terrified, and he calmed them down. And then this multitude shows up on the scene. And again, in my head, filling the skies as voices praising God from everywhere and nowhere at the same time. I want to invite the worship team up as we kind of come to a close. I I, I love John chapter 1 out of the message. It says that the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. Isn't that good stuff? The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes. The one of a kind glory, like father, like son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. John pointed him out and called, this is the one. The one I told you was coming after me, but in fact was ahead of me. He has always been ahead of me, has always had the first word. We all live of his generous bounty, gift after gift after gift. In the book Flatland, Spear was able to bring Square out of his two-dimensional world and raise him up into space land, and only then was he truly able to understand this other dimension and understand Spear for who he is. He was also able to look down on Flatland and see it differently. He was able to see the hierarchy moving about and entering and exiting buildings in two dimensions. You don't need a roof. So as he's above it looking down, he sees them interacting and coming and going, and he would be the first apostle to return back to Flatland, to try to help other people see that there was more to the world than what they understood. And what would take place then is that Spear, watching Square go through all this, was over the hierarchy as they gathered in a building. And they actually had a discussion, and the discussion was, yes, we recognize that sphere exists. We understand that this third dimension is there. We get that. We can wrap our heads around it now. But they said it is, in fact, too dangerous for them and the power structure that they had in place. And so they decided a proclamation of silence to be the norm. Anyone who broke it could be put to death. They had that kind of power. They'd exercised it before, in fact, many would be in prison or killed, including Square's own brother, who had been a new convert. And I don't think Edwin Abbott intended to bring such clarity to the life, uh, to the birth, the life, and the death of Jesus, only the Victorian hierarchy, and yet he did. Let me say that last part again. 
Sphere could overhear the highest caste acknowledging the existence of Sphere and the third dimension, but this was too dangerous for them and the power structure they had in place. Except in this story, they killed the third dimensional being. That's why Jesus came. That's what the manger was all about. It was all about the cross. Reliant K sings a song called Born to Die. The lyrics go, when the babe was born in a manger on the way, God saw the veil torn. He saw Good Friday because he was born to die. We came here today to celebrate his birth, but let us not forget why Jesus came to earth. He was born to die. First Timothy says this, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came in the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. But I received mercy for this reason that in me as the foremost Jesus Christ might be display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. To the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. This moment of communion as we sing is about remembering that intent. That he came here entering our world even though we couldn't really understand it. We couldn't wrap our heads around it. But he said, I will immerse myself in your world so that you can just begin to get a glimpse of my love, of who I am, of my intentions for you. And so this cracker represents his body that was broken The juice represents his blood that was spilled. And as we sing together, as we worship, I just want you to to take a moment and talk to him and thank him. If this is the first time you're wrapping your head around this, if you're getting this for the first time, uh, ask him to, to, to reveal himself a little bit more to you. We'd love to talk with you. Any of us who have been up here on stage, myself, Brian, who made announcements, uh, we'd love to talk to you more about that. This week, let's join the angels in that first Christmas song. The cries of the babe echo the cries of hope for a Savior. Come and see the Lamb of God. Glory to God in the highest. Blessing and honor be unto the King. Your name be exalted forever. Emmanuel.